0: Hey everybody, thank you for checking out The Real Abhinav Audio Experience. I just wanna let you know, even if you don't finish this episode, that I have tremendous amount of love for you and I wish nothing but good things to come for you this year. Even though we're going through a crazy crisis globally, I know that it's gonna get better and I know deep inside you do too, which is why you're here. In this episode, I talked to my friend Marcy Mara, who I met off of LinkedIn. Marcy and I get into this conversation talking about being authentically you and what does that mean? And how you can translate that into the workspace, especially if you're trying to climb up the corporate ladder, what you can do to make yourself successful in that, because Marcy's somebody who's not only done that her entire career, but now speaks about it. And you can find out more about her on LinkedIn by searching for Marcy Mara. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me to be a guest. I'm very excited to have this conversation with you. And think that we have this amazing synergy and how we how we share some views from our previous conversation. Uh, My name is Marcy Mara. Um, By trade, I am a management consultant. I've been in that industry for a really long time and worked my way up through the ranks over the years. And I'm a partner at a a global consulting firm right now. That's really my day job. And then my passion project, my night job is as a transformational coach. They really blend together uh, because what they do, they're all about helping people achieve goals. So when I work with clients, large fortune 500, 100 companies, I'm helping them set their company goals and their mission statements and their visions and how do they achieve those. But it really comes down to all the individual people. And that's where the coaching part really came in. And it started to surface really organically where I found I was spending a lot of time with executives talking about their personal goals and how did they get to the next level. And it created this really unique, rich package. And to be honest, that's when I found what I thought my mission was and my vision and how I would transform the work that I did to help transform people. And in doing so, it transformed my life and created a whole new source of joy. And I'm so grateful for the opportunities that I've been given.
0: Hey, guys, thank you again for checking out this episode. There's a video component that you can also watch. Are there Have there been any misconceptions around the coaching that you're trying to give them is, is really just a it's so important because whatever they do for their own private personal self is going to reflect in all of their work and everything else they do. Right. Like, so if they don't, they're not happy with the way they are in themselves, like that's naturally going to manifest into other things. So how, how are there any misconceptions that come up often in, in these type of conversations when you are trying to, you know, be a coach to someone and they're not quite sure. I would just be curious if you could have anything that comes to mind to call out.
1: I'm, I'm laughing. Um, There's so many things that come to mind. I never lead with coaching. I think coaching is the most important piece. I never, ever start a conversation with that. I start about what problems are you seeing? What are you trying to solve? Does it relate to your business or your personal life? If I start with coaching, they're like, no, don't want any of that. Seeing all these life coaches, like people that haven't really lived, and that's not me. And that makes people feel really vulnerable when you start with coaching. Like people have to be able to say... Like, I I'm not have- enough. I need to be coached. Right. And we all right. have this, you know, no matter how successful you are, you, I, I've talked to some of the most amazing people, and they'll all say, I have moments where I don't feel like I'm enough. I have imposter syndrome. So don't start with that. Don't start like poking at people's soft spots. Just ease into it. And pretty soon, people start to realize that there is a coaching element and right. that's really where it becomes then a partnership and it's something that you go in together and then somebody will say I'd like to see more about the coaching piece than we've talked about before and that's when people are are ready to do that and they've opened their hearts to a new experience
0: gotcha and and then what are what are some of the roadblocks that I guess come up for people that try to, you know, go about change from your perspective, and they're trying to shift themselves to be something a little bit, you know, maybe different than they've, they've been in the past, what what are some of the most common challenges that you see when people want, you know, because change is difficult for everybody, especially like, you know, thinking, let's, I'll, I'll, I'll preface this with the coronavirus cur- current situation where all of us had to, uh, you know, change the way we do work and business and, and our family life, you know, we are spending way more time at home. So that's a big, big change, which everybody's going through right now globally, but and it's not easy, you know, we can tell. So I'm just curious, like, you know, when it comes to just self-transformation or even just, you know, looking for that fulfillment piece, you know, what are some of the things that come up that are maybe um, difficult to explain or, or you know, uh, roadblocks for people as to why they don't want to change or potentially
1: I think people do want to change. Uh, We're ultimately wired not to change. So when you think about our chemical response in our brain to change, it is fight, flight, or freeze. So our frontal cortex is doing all kinds of crazy things to us, and it actually emulates true physical pain. So change is hard. Like we all say, Oh, change is hard. And it's like, but it really is. It's very hard on our systems. So bringing up what we're all living through in the entire world right now is this huge fear. We don't know what's happening. I hear people constantly say I can hardly wait for things to be normal because we're wired to hang on to what we know and Mm. what is comfortable. It might not even be good for us. Like you can look at, uh, People that are in very bad work um, situations, they're in bad relationships, it is still more comfortable to stay in that bad known situation than to address the fear of the unknown. Right. And we all deal with it. Um, It's even, it's definitely a part of my story. Like I tell this story about being a management consultant by day and a coach by night. And people will say, well, why don't you be a coach full time? And it's, and there is an element of fear and risk. I think that I will get some sort of ultimate sign that it's the right time to do it. But like every human being, we have these barriers and these self-limiting beliefs. We start to tell ourselves these stories, and they're often not true. And that's where a coach can really help, because I have some really brilliant people that I work with, and I'll say, they'll tell me something, I'll say, do you really believe that to be true? And they'll look at me, and they'll have to say, well, no. Like, well, then let's stop you from saying that to yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. And those
1: things like that, that seems so simple to people like you and I, like, I'm sure you have your own self affirmations that you must go through. Um, I'd love to hear your story when you decided that you were going to start doing this, like, were you afraid of it? How yes.
0: did. Yeah. so basically for me, what happened was, you know, I, I was similar to how you said, you know, you were a very successful consultant for, for many years. And, and that was in itself, of course, Fulfilling, but it's this limited scope, right? And and it's and it, there's a lot more to life than just the the sort of the work piece that we do, and and I think that was where I was getting to, uh, I I started to you know make good money, and I was finally doing the type of work I wanted to do, which is with people, and uh, you know I had a have healthy relationship with my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, and uh, even though we were doing long distance, and and I was also you know moved out of my family's home. Um, and all that. So I was standing on my own two feet. But I realized after doing that for a year, two years, three years, it started to really uh, show itself as a pattern where I I saw, okay, I'm still not happy as I could be when I'm doing a lot better than most people in the world from an external perspective. And it went exactly into what you said earlier is about the, the story we have inside of our head. That's the one that tends to dictate how our experience gets labeled So for me, that story was still kind of coming off of, and I'll back up a little bit more when I did competitive bodybuilding and I did uh, some athletics where you're very much tied to scrutinizing and criticizing yourself. um, You know, that sort of mindset that you need to achieve something where you're highly disciplined. I think all of that was a really good tool to learn and a skill set to master, but it does not give you fulfillment, right? Because just because you can get to a goal because you're very dedicated and determined and you have the, the willpower and all that stuff, it doesn't mean that you're gonna get there, and then all of a sudden be like, I've made it. Now I can, you know, be good for the rest of my life. At least that's what my naive self thought, you know. And so, part of that dark period that I went through after, uh, you know, achieving some things that I wanted in life, but still not finding fulfillment, I had no other choice but to go inward because I had tried everything external. And uh, and why I started doing, you know, recordings or having conversations with people is because I started to realize that this is something super valuable. And I'm one of those weird people, like. People always say, you should be in sales. But that's really because they like when I'm talking from passion about something because I believe in it. I can't sell anything or talk about anything if I'm not super passionate or you know interested in it. And it just so happens when I was going through a dark phase and finding my way out of it, I realized how important it was to have this dialogue openly and put it out there because everyone is going through it. It's not unique to me. That was the biggest thing I realized when I was down is I thought it was just me going through it and there was something wrong with me but that's not the case. It was something that everybody goes through at some point or another in their life. And of course, it varies in degrees of um, you know seriousness, but that's kind of in the short version of what happened.
1: I love that. And I love that comment about sales. And this this goes to the conversation that you and I had a couple of days ago about sales. And that's a big part of being a management consultant when you rise up in the ranks, as you yeah. get to be partner. Part of that is working with clients and selling. And there's a lot of training available about how to sell to a client and how to sell solutions or services or what that looks like. And where I really found the place that clicked for me was not necessarily around the selling, but around building the relationships. So much like you, like I had achieved what people would say was success, but it felt pretty hollow. It didn't feel like I was enriching my life or others. And once I stopped thinking about the sale and I just started thinking about the person and how would I want somebody to connect with me? And then not doing it exactly like that because we're all very unique creatures, but getting to know somebody by listening, asking questions and starting to understand what's their values and what's important. I found even just by listening and people really feeling like they're being heard um, all the other stuff comes together because you do have a genuine connection with people. And that's uh, that's really what is most important for all of us, right? Like as humans, we are um, about connection and community and we're missing that right now. So it's time to find new ways. And um, I'm also having fun doing that with clients right now, like having everybody turn on video, even though they're like, I don't want to, I'm in my sweat. But it's if taken I... away that
0: like... Um what's the word i'm looking for the 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 tabooness of like camera video because before we were all like Oh, you know, it has to be perfect. It has to be. The, but no, everyone's at home. It doesn't have to be perfect. You can turn on and your kids can run around in the background. That freedom that we got about judgment, you know, before is no longer there. It's like you can be your imperfect self and it's OK. And and, and we will accept it because now we all have to do it. Right. So I, I really love that. I just wanted to call that out. I didn't want to interrupt. But
1: no, I and I love that, too, because we've been talking about um, social distancing. But we're physical distancing because yes. our social communities yeah. are actually building a lot stronger we are seeing into people's homes we are seeing pets and kids and spouses and things that we just normally don't get to and it's okay to say you know how are you doing with your kids schoolwork and things like that to people that there was never licensed to do that before and we're going to come excuse me come out of this just knowing people as a whole person which is so much cooler but those those first days and you know we're both on the West coast. So we were in the early stages of quarantine. I remember people saying, I can't turn my camera on. I'm not camera ready. And I was like, I'm sorry, I wasn't aware you were a movie star. And at first like people started to laugh and they were like, okay, fine. I'll turn my (laughs) camera on because it was just so funny. We all had this idea of this perfection. Yes. But we all know like that's these masks that we we wear to hide our authentic selves because back again, somewhere we don't think our authentic self is enough. right?
0: Right. That's a very good, you know, question to ask for me next is like in the in the years that you've done consulting and relationship building with all of your clients, and since I do the same thing and, and I'm trying to, you know, get better at it and looking for ways to make myself differentiate in the marketplace, I would absolutely love to hear some of your core values and things that you've picked up along the way and have become your, you know, foundational you know, stepping stones in any kind of engagement that you do now, because that's your framework of you know, making that relationship successful and, and you know, letting it blossom and last for years and years to come. I would love to hear what some of those things are for you. And, and maybe we can dissect them one at a time, but please.
1: That's a, That's a lot of stuff. I know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and you know, core values for me are really treat people the way they want to be treated. You know, we're taught the golden rule growing up, treat people the way you want to be treated. But the way that I want to be treated might be different than the way you want to be treated. So you have to stop and like listen to people and think about what's important to them. And what's important to them in that moment might be very different based on what they're going through. So that's that first piece of you can think about sympathy, empathy, and compassion And that's where you start to get to empathy and you start to really understand what people are going through and what they need from you at that moment. And then you graduate to that level of compassion, which is truly an action of helping somebody move out of where they are, move to where they want to be. So those are those are important things for me when I think about building relationships with clients. Do you,
0: do you say there's a difference in empathy and compassion? and And you said one is more of like kind of understanding how what they're going through, but the compassion is, in your perspective, an act of action that you actually then take to mm-hmm. uh, you know, either help them through the situation or give them your perspective or whatever it is. I actually never really clearly understood in my own yeah, experience so what the differences were.
1: There's a bunch of different, really interesting stories, but somebody falls in a hole and somebody walks by and they went, that sucks to be in the hole, and they keep going. That's sympathy. You've recognized it's horrible for that person. You've done nothing. You come up to the the next one is empathy. And you come up and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. That has got to be terrible to be in there. Um, is there something that I can do? But mm. still, it, it's empathy. It's not taking an action. Gotcha. Compassion is somebody comes up and says, well, that is horrible. Let me go get a rope and get you out. And that's where you start to see the action and the difference. And that's a hard leap uh, for people to get to.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Because I don't think we're even really thinking about it in that perspective. We, we generally do the... I like to say people will default to the least amount of, uh, you know, effort if they could in situations, unless there's an incentive to do, do more, right? But, but it's, it's, and it's, this is not necessarily true for folks like us, where a large part of our fulfillment comes from helping other people. So that's sort of like a higher on our, you know, core values. But, but for for most people, you know, I, I think the benefit is only there if you do it and you start to see like how much that I really believe in karma, right, just from my own um, understanding of how it works is it's every action sort of has a reaction sort of situation, but it's not quite that. It's more of like everything you do is your karma, right? There is no such bad or good karma, but what you put out in the world does come back to you uh, in one way or the other. And it might not be in the same form that you expected, but it does circulate. And, you know, a large part of where I am today, I have to say, is because of all the other really awesome people like yourself and, and others who've helped just Share their pieces of wisdom with me to help expedite what you know I should be understanding and knowing at this stage, and how I can apply that. And, and I really you know value that I genuinely do, which is why I want to continue to do these kinds of things because I think that that's that's super helpful for me. I'm learning, I'm downloading what you've experienced. It's almost like I've described this to to someone else. In a different way, like when we watch a YouTube video, it's very interesting when you see somebody's uh, sort of personal life or their their vlog or whatever. It's like you're putting VR glasses to go into this person's lifestyle and look at it from their perspective, their lens. And you start to get, you know, very subtle insights and, and uh, sometimes very strong emotional connection because you can understand exactly what they're going through. Even not maybe at the specific, specificity level, like exactly what they did, but the emotion that they created or like how, how they felt. And, and and I think uh, and to counter, I guess another point to that is that we can get carried away with that with, with seeing too much of that and then then losing our authentic self because now we're so tied into other people's narratives and stories because we're so used to it, we forget, well what, is this whats what am I about? you know and like what is my own story? I'd be curious if you can talk to me a little bit about that because I know folks come to you and ask you, how do I be authentic? which to me, is, is, is some, it's a question, believe it or not, even I've had uh, to myself in the past, and I would just love to hear your perspective on authenticity.
1: And, and it, is a, it is a good question, and it's a hard thing for us to all come to terms with at, at times. And yes, I did have somebody specifically say, will you teach me to be authentic? And I couldn't respond to them in the moment, and I took about 24 hours, and I thought about it, and I thought, why would we even think somebody has to teach us that? Aren't, right. we, born, aren't we born authentic? You look at children and young children; um, their personalities haven't formed yet. That happens around the age seven. So, you know, that's three to four, and they're playing freely, and they're they're just they don't have the same kind of constraints that we do as adults. And it's like, where does that come from? Well, it comes from every all of those inputs, all those things that we, they, to your point, we download. Um, our parents do that when they say, "Oh, you don't really want to wear that outfit to that event." So, you somewhere you're being told, "Well." This isn't good enough. I need to put on this type of uniform for this this event. And some of those things are true; they're cultural norms. But at some point, we do lose ourselves in just to fit in. Like, yes, back to being, you know, creatures of community. So, what's the best way to belong to a community? Well, to look like everyone else. And you'll hear people um, when they're interviewing, like, I want to make sure that there's a culture fit. We should always be looking for a culture ad. We don't want people to fit into something. We want them to add to whatever we have. That's a
0: good distinction.
1: And I, I've struggled with my own authenticity. And I have a YouTube video um, from a Compassionate Leadership Conference where I talk about being probably the worst manager ever in the beginning of my career, because I looked at my role models, who happened to be men, and thought that's exactly how I had to lead, and it wasn't authentic to me in any way. And everyone around me knew that. Um, it was just a terrible experience. And it took me realizing that didn't feel good. That wasn't authentic to me. I wasn't proud of how I was showing up. I was constantly afraid somebody would discover me for not being who I was projecting. And then I had to really do some deep work about, well, why would I want to project something that I'm not? If I am enough, then that, that's what I should focus on. And then where I'm not, where I'm not comfortable, then work on getting better in those areas. Like, go ahead and be vulnerable and say, I'm I'm not super good at that. Go find people that like yourself and others that I can learn from. Then I can get better. And that's how we become authentic. But it takes that piece of vulnerability that then yeah. triggers our fears and our brains doing horrible things to us. Like, yeah, you're at risk, so if, don't do that.
0: If I could speak to that a little bit, I think the framework, what happens is, we have this idea that we get attached to and we, we we start to believe that that's us. Like for me, when I started doing competitive bodybuilding, I realized like, well, if you're going to work out a lot, especially like when I was doing competitive shows, I would be in the gym sometimes two to three times a day. You know, that's a very aggressive lifestyle and I was super disciplined with my food. But a lot of that is is aggression and, and a lot of rage that you have to put to fuel that kind of lifestyle because it's very difficult to want to go in and like... You know, tear down all that muscle tissue, and and really like put yourself through grueling, grueling sessions where it's like somebody from the outside could think it's almost like you're torturing yourself. But at the same time, in your head, you're trying to really build something. You're the way I would say that you're you're manifesting a potential future in the moment in the present moment every single time you do something because it's so intentional and you don't see the results immediately you don't even see them sometimes weekly you know and it takes years sometimes to to kind of see what you've built and 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 lots of days of effort and so when i realized that that's that lifestyle was making me more focused on the aggressive thinking about like i can get anything done if i can will myself and i have enough uh you know i i got enough uh, fire in me to do whatever anybody else can do and and you know and beyond but that perso- persona is not fully real because there ha- there is a vulnerable child in here there is the one you know the person who's gotten bullied there's the person who has gotten you know comments because of his color and all that all that weakness that's there which i was using as fuel i had to admit that out you know I almost said to say like it's okay that's not that's not real what other people say about me they don't know the whole me and one of the biggest lessons for me to learn uh, has been, you know, nobody knows you in, in its entirety and, and you don't know anybody in there in its entirety either. Just from one comment or a video or something they've said, that only can show you a little bit, but you don't really know everything else about someone and they're not like this. And, and, and this was sort of like growing up in social media age where you only see the polished pieces of everybody's life. I you know, it's hard not to believe growing up in that era to think that, you know, your life is not perfect, or that you have to make it so, otherwise you're, you're, you're losing, you're not, you're not living a good life, you know, and, and, you know, having that ability to, I guess, first admit to yourself that there is something different than what you're putting out, and what you actually feel is the, the, the start of that uh, detachment, like, happening you know you're starting to see that distance between the two and then you can really go inward and and, and really see like okay well what what is this all about you know am I going to continue like this or am I going to change this and and then if you're going to change it then you know you go and you, you try to talk to yourself with a different narrative and and, and I'm curious if, if you have any techniques around that you know like for finding your grounding or centeredness I know I can share a few things that I do for sure but I would love to hear how you uh, manage to for yourself stay grounded and present and in and, and your, your daily life and, and how do you would how would you mentor someone else uh, or give any sort of tips for that?
1: Yeah, absolutely I have a short answer and a long answer. So the short answer <laughs> is, is when I have something going on in my own head just like I do with my friends and my clients, I ask is it real mm. And sometimes just that is it real and you just take that beat and think, is there actually data to support this or did I just make this up in an absence of true data? And sometimes that's all people need is for me to say, is that real? Is that really what you believe? Um, That doesn't always work. Often there's self-reflection to your point, like you have to go and do some deep work. So I actually have this really massive um, document that I make people go through a writing exercise and I make them write their life story, the true story, the way that it is now. And then I make them rewrite it the way that they would actually want it to be. And that's where you can really look at, this is chapter one and this is chapter two. And I've gotten some really interesting results. People really break down their own barriers. They don't have to share it with me. So they'll work on what do they really want their, their life to look like. And it turns out to be very different. It isn't about the, the big fancy house and the flashy car and all of the things that they had used to define success. It's more about that personal connection and their growth and how their connection is with their significant other or their children and all of these deeper things. But by going through that exercise, then you can start to say, well, what is keeping me from the life that I truly want to have? And then there's more work that you can do to start to to, to define what do I need to do to get there? That's something I've,
0: that, I've actually have researched this and, it, and there's a lot of evidence to support this, that part of the anxiety that comes um, from, you know, not feeling complete is because your brain doesn't have, or your thought process hasn't computed enough into a potential outcome about the future, and you Mm -hmm. don't have that security within you. Like, so when you do the process of writing down what current state is and what, you know, I did this when I was going through my dark phases. I have tons of books of journals full of just just you know i I call it like my mental diarrhea really because it's not it's not sensible for other people but it's there for me because a lot of times and this became a habit that i even took with me to the office when i was going into the office because i couldn't sit there and take a break but when i would whenever i would get overwhelmed i would i call them sticky note thoughts because you can throw a sticky away and i would just take a sticky note and the moment i'm feeling overwhelmed i would say i am starting to feel overwhelmed because i don't think i can commit to this deadline i don't think i have the skills to do this right now and all of a sudden, midway through the sentence, you'll start to see, but I know that I have these skills. And if I found a way I could, you, you almost self-correct your own dialogue mm-hmm. within that. And in that in itself is like a step that you're taking towards slowing down and what I call your thought processing engine. And you're trying to articulate it into either writing or into words because that distillation of taking an idea or a thought from your head into something that's more tangible, which is a real world you know, piece of paper, writing it down, that process slows down um, the entire mechanism enough to give you that space to see that there is something more here than what you've you know, looked previously at. So I just wanted to kind of call that out. And then the other one that I, I've... I've uh, actually, I forgot the other one that I was going to say. So I'll leave it at that one.
1: But um, your sticky note did exactly what I just said. You yes. asked yourself, is this true? And yes. as you started to write... You realize that this wasn't true. Yeah, yeah, a so lot of I assumptions. Have no- yeah, I have sticky notes like that all over too. But I think even if people will write on a sticky note, "Is this true?" and you look at that and you ask yourself, when you start to spiral, right. like people will often say, "No." Right. But it's, it's just that one act to your point, like just to slow down a second, because we get fearful and we're like, "Nope." can't do it don't want to yeah. commit to that don't want to make myself vulnerable what if i fail like there's all this stuff that just floods into our brains that we if we react on that we don't get a very good result
0: absolutely and then, and then the, the other thing i was going to say is to your point about asking the question is it true i call that you know it's it's, it's introspection i learned that technique that was the most powerful thing that i learned from uh, one of the spiritual teachers that i follow on youtube his name is muji he he was sort of my my like guiding light in in my darkest period because he Helped me see what my true self was without everything else sticking mm-hmm. onto it, and and um, you know he introduced me to my true self, I guess I would say, and 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 what I realized is that there's a few questions, and this is this comes back to conversations I've had with one of my other very close friends who I would almost say is like my guiding spirit or angel in this world because just meeting him in the right moment in time when I did uh, is is a large part of the reason why I am where I am today. And um, one of the, the, the contemplation questions that he always brings to me is to ask yourself, are you doing what is essential? Because that to your mind in itself will change the dialogue. because when you when you start thinking about it in the sense of like, did you accomplish this or that? you know that's very binary and it's it's not broad enough for our, for our thinking. But if you look at things in the perspective of am I doing what's essential, Am I doing what's essential for my health, for my family, for my finances, for my community, for my neighbors, whatever it is, you know, like if you look at it from the perspective, you'll find mostly all always you're doing what's essential, like there's nothing so out of place as it seems. So it almost like gives you the ability to see yourself from a different vantage point, somewhat not attached to the character that, you know, what it's believing itself Mm -hmm. to be. So that's a very, very good question. and then and the one thing I always like to remind myself of is I always try to tell myself and many times in the day, especially when I get frustrated and angry, because that aggressive part of me is still very much there from you know, the early age and, and part of my upbringing. and 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 I always say you are peace and love. And what does that mean? That sounds silly to say, But what it is is when you say that to yourself, each word that we have, that we use, has an associated imagery, emotion, thought process associated with it for us uniquely. And for most people, uh, there are positive images associated with peace and with love. So what happens is you almost like, it's like a tape deck. You are just, you just you know, turned on the peace and love tape. And all of a sudden, now you're thinking about good things in life rather than the automatic default deck playing the negative stuff that is there to help you with the survival mode and especially with people that are overachievers or try to be you know very goal-driven we get lost in this like sort of this checklist lifestyle right like i did this this and this but but that's not really what it's all about um so i think those are some of the things that i've i've used to kind of get myself back into a centered place when i tend to see myself spiraling out because of some external factors because that's really what it is it's like sometimes these external things we don't control but we have the ability to set the pace for how we process it internally if we choose to.
1: I love that. And I think another thing to add when you're dealing with personal aggression or you're frustrated to stop and ask yourself before you take action on something like send that email or pick up the phone and call somebody in that kind of a state is who am I doing this for? Am I doing this for myself or am I doing Mm. this for somebody else? And if I ask myself that, then I'll have to look at, that action, it's like, what's the result that I'm trying to get? And if the result is I'm doing this for myself, and because I just want to tell somebody that they're wrong, like, obviously sounds like a horrible thing to do. But how many times do we all act that way? It's very much in the moment or you feel the need to do that. Yes. But most of the time, if you approach it uh, to your point with love, And maybe you correct somebody in a different way, but you're doing it because you want them to get better or you don't want them to get hurt. It completely changes that dynamic. And this was one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about. I was presented with a situation yesterday and there was something, I talk a lot about uh, diversity and inclusion and belonging. And there was something that didn't sit well with me personally about a comment that was made, and I went through this whole cycle myself about is it worth it to elevate the problem to the person that said it? What will be the results that I'm trying to drive? Is it to make a point for myself? Is it to make a point for others? And it ended up uh, bleeding into a lot of conversations that I had yesterday, and what the richness of those conversations were were if we don't do the right things when we don't align to our own values and our own authenticity we are not only hurting ourselves we're hurting others yes and, and so i wanted to ask you like i'm sure like we all have that in life but l- let's be honest um you're not a white caucasian male so and like i'm a female in a male's world and so we both get things that come at us that don't feel very right. And how have you had to deal with that in your career?
0: Yeah, that's that's a very good question. I think for me, the at an early age in my life, you know, I think going through school was probably the most toughest part of it all, because I grew up in, you know, in, in California, once we immigrated from India. And, and when I did that, you know, I was of a smaller minority at the time of immigrants, you know, being in Orange County that are Going to a very, very, you know, diverse—not very, I shouldn't say diverse—very, you know, white, rich neighborhood, and and there were still Asian families now starting to immigrate. Like, I'm talking about Irvine. I don't know if you know that area very well, but um, it's it's very populated now with Asian folks. But going back to almost 20 years ago, that wasn't the case. But going through schooling in that sort of environment, that's where I started to realize because before then I didn't know that there was a there was any anything to be concerned with by me being different. I almost didn't think of myself as being something different until people started commenting on the type of food we ate when kids made fun of the food that, you know, my parents would make versus like the Lunchables they would bring, right? Like my parents actually took the effort to make, cook me food every morning. Mm-hmm. So I would have a nice meal to take with me. But then I got made fun of that and I started to like realize, well, what the heck is that? Or like for being, being, a uh, you know, my color or like, you know, tell, people telling me to go back to where I came from. And I'm just like, what does that mean? Why? Like, I, you know, just things like this where you're just like, you don't have anything to, any context to really go off of. So I think it was really difficult for me as a kid. But what really helped me through this all was because I had such a loving mom and, and dad, you know, my mom I'm very, very close to. And, and I knew that I had all the love in the world from her. So it was it was always enough to make me feel whole again, even when I was keep going to school and getting chips at, you know, being bullied or you know, harassed or whatever it was, it's a lot of that happened throughout my, you know, education from a young age to all the way through high school, and and not, it wasn't until I really got into more more music in this country, because I was always doing music as a young kid, and until I started doing that, that's when I started to realize, like, you know, you have to really put yourself around people who will, who are like-minded or appreciate the similar sort of skills around, like, the same say, music, for example, it brings about this, uh, this leveled playing field where it doesn't matter who you are or what your background is because when you're playing music together in a room you're you're all in this one you know symphony right everybody's in this one place and those kinds of moments confirmed in me like what was what was the bigger you know purpose here is, is is it just something me or is it somebody else that's suffering so I mean that came up a lot and but but you know going back to uh, leaving uh, school and going into college that time that time shift where most people leave their household, I was in a, in a unique situation where I didn't get to go and uh, go to a four-year university right away and I had to stay back and stay home because my, my dad had some health complications at the time and I didn't have the best uh, you know grades because i focused more on music. I've always focused on what I like and what I'm good at. I never uh, thankfully have been focused on what I'm weak at because I think too much of time spent on that it just it doesn't help you unless there is something that definitely needs to be improved you know for for your work or whatever. But I've always focused on my strengths, so I focus on more on music. But then that didn't get me into school. So sort of the, the, the anger that came from that upbringing or the resentment got channeled into the athletics, to the bodybuilding, to the gym lifestyle. So I used that rage of, of bullying, of when people wanted to pick fights or they were, you know, mm-hmm. you know, throwing things at me or whatever it was where... It, it really became a problem when when they would come around like my house like there were some kids who would come around our, 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 our home and like you know throw things at our doors and, and that's just unsafe you know just being very just kind of just messed up behavior you would think you know and i I, no, I don't i'm not afraid to say this one of my conversations i had yesterday with a friend of mine who's 71 years old a lot of wisdom that comes from him he's also indian and he and suddenly he said what's the biggest problem that we have in america Uh, Right now, and I said, Well, well, I mean, right now it could be the small businesses. No, he said it's racism, Mm -hmm. and I said, Yeah, because you don't really think about that if you live in California as much because of how California has really transformed in the last you know number of years. But if we're now sitting in a place where everybody you know is starting to look at new ways of doing things and we're still uh, segregating one population from another or one type of group from another, and we're not united no matter what we do is it's not going to work if we're if we're still having the fundamental problem of segregation from you know one group to another and and you know it's a hard thing to say but that's the reality that we live in you know racism is still alive and well in this country and beyond but at the same time do you look for that or or do you try to then build a life where you gravitate and, and draw the right type of energy and attention to you i think that that's really what Kind of has been my wisdom out of that experience is that like if you look for it you're gonna find plenty of people even now like you know I go to the beach down here uh, you know I've had some homeless people come and be rude to me when they have nothing if you think about it in that sense they have nothing no 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 bearing but even them to be then you know in that in that state it just shows to you like the culture that kind of like that underlying you know uh, feeling that people have it's like. I, the best explanation of culture is like you have to think of it like a tree and we're all on a branch. We we're not separate from it, you know, just like we're not anything separate from this world. You and I are a part of it. We don't stand outside of it. We're a part of it. So but but what part of it do we choose to associate ourselves with and like focus on is really like the the most important piece because there's plenty of good in the world, but there's plenty of bad, right? It's not all good and it's not all bad. And that's kind of been my lesson out of this and I don't know if I even really answered part of what you asked I just went on a little rant there but
1: <laughs> no but that was really interesting and and you're right about racism <clears throat> And then there's the, the gender discrimination too. Like yes. as much as we would love to believe that that is also not an issue, trust me, it is still a major issue.
0: I'd love to hear about that from your perspective, and especially you mentioned earlier about the management piece where you were trying to be like a, a male manager, but that didn't work out because you have your own perspective, you know, really, then you had to learn that. So I'd be curious, kind of like the things that you have experienced and how they've shaped you to be where you are now.
1: Well, one of the things I will say it has shaped me now after going through some of those things to just be kinder and gentler and to understand that everybody has their own lens, because I can tell you, I can go out somewhere with a, a really junior consultant who is a male and conversations may still be addressed to him. They won't even think that I'm the partner because I'm a woman. And it's, you would think that it's just so ridiculous in this day and age, but it absolutely still happens and so instead of being upset about it, I just have to correct people and try to be as kind as I can, knowing that it makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. But it is that, and this goes back to actually my original question. It's like, how do you figure out when is the time that it's worth it to correct somebody, and when is it the time that you just let it go because you won't won't change it? And it's something that I struggle with a lot. But handling, you know, gender discrimination. Um, Throughout the course of my career, uh, consulting firms, when you look at them, even today, um, you can look at some of the really big firms. And once you get right below the partner level, there's like 2% women. And when you get to the partner level, it's like less than one. And oftentimes, I am the only woman sitting um, at that table. And the conversations will go, to your comment, a little bit more aggressive. They're a little bit more about very direct about the business and how we're going to do something and the financial aspect. And I'll say, well, let's talk about the people. And I immediately get that look like, oh, the woman in the room that wants to talk about the feelings. And it's like, but somebody needs to do that. And that's why we need diversity and we need to balance boards and leadership teams. And you and I need to be having conversations so that we can talk about our different perspectives and where we come from so that we can learn at least empathy. For what other people have experienced, but hopefully at some point compassion, so that we can help get everybody to an equal level.
0: I just, you know, one of the most amazing, beautiful things you explained to me today was the difference between sympathy, empathy, and compassion. Because I think that's just so clear. You know, one is just a passing by remark. The other is a sentiment where you feel emotionally, you know, what the person is feeling. And the other is you're actually doing something about it because you feel the need to actually help this person and drive something to change here. You know, that's been very useful. I I would love to ask you for one more thing to define is what is gratitude to you? Like, what do you look at it as? And and how does it work for you?
1: So I'll answer that, but I want to go back just one second. So the other, the other thing to think about um, compassion is how much different does it feel when somebody says, I'm sorry, that's so horrible that I really, I understand what you're going through versus I, that is horrible. And I've been there where you are, so let me help you get out of it. The what that does to us is just so different. There's just such a different connection to the, I've been there and I'm gonna help you. Uh, Gratitude. Uh, Gratitude is probably the most powerful tool that we have apart from a smile. So a smile changes our chemical balance Um, It changes the person that gets to see the smile too. And gratitude works the same way. Like there really are chemical responses in our bodies to these things. Like you can choose to say, well, this is horrible. We're in a pandemic and I'm home. Or you can say, I'm so grateful that I have a home. There are people that don't. And it's little things about changing the way that you approach something. You either can choose to say, I have to go and do something or I get to go and do something. And I had this conversation about a year and a half ago with a close friend. And we were just talking about gratitude and values and faith and how all of those things make our characters. And we were talking about that whole, like, I get to versus I have to. And it was a pretty deep emotional conversation. And a month later, she came back to me and she said, I'm so glad we had that conversation. Her oldest son, who has a lot of medical problems, was in the hospital. And she said, I'm so grateful that I work for a company and I have medical insurance and we can afford to get him the proper care. And I would have probably thought about that in a different way, not thinking about leading with gratitude. I might have been so focused on the horrible things that were happening to him. But instead, my heart is filled with love and gratitude. And I'm seeing that reflected on the people's faces around me. And she was able to have a conversation with her mother that said the same thing. So her mother had ease instead of that whole, this is a horrible health situation. And that really touched me that that had that kind of an impact on her life. And and that's a lesson that I hold true too.
0: I think gratitude is, like you said, it's one of the most powerful tools. But one of the biggest misconceptions that I've learned about it when I talk about it, you know, everybody thinks that I'm just like, preaching platitudes that everybody should know, but at the same time, it's like, you can, this is the same thing that happened when I was was in fitness, right? Like I would talk about exercising and eating healthy. It's like everything you know, but it doesn't work if you don't use it. Same thing with gratitude. If you don't actually take the moment to see, like you have to actually, I guess, um, when I say see, I don't mean see from your eyes because you can't see your thoughts from your eyes, but from a place of, uh, you know, the, the quiet place within, if you see what's happening within you, and you actually can then tell, okay, what would be the counter to this situation? If it was much worse than this, how would that hypothetical play out? And what would the, what would be the emotions that I felt then? You know, And, and sort of the easiest ones uh, are the extremes, right? Like for me, it's always uh, the ones I use are like if my entire family was not here, because I know at some point that's going to be the reality, right? Like we all have to leave and that's just the truth. So if that was to happen today, if that was the day today, how much worse would I be off than where I am right now? And all of a sudden that just shocks me back into like this place of, wow, I love all of them. I just want to go and give a hug to everyone that I have in my family because of that. Because it's like, I don't know if I'll have this moment again, you know? And I, and I really don't because you don't know the future. And a lot of times we try to seek comfort in knowing everything that we feel comfortable with. But gratitude really only works if you take the moment to shift your perspective and see it from a place of, lack like what would they be like if you didn't have this and then you really get to you know appreciate what you have you know and it's like the the old saying gratitude changes your attitude it's a hundred percent true but you got to do it if you don't do it it doesn't work it's just like you know eating a salad is only gonna work if you eat it right if it's not gonna work if you just bought it and put it in your fridge and threw it out because you didn't eat it right it's like you, we know these things but they don't work if we don't use them um we're getting to a really good point in this conversation and I'm I'm curious if there's something that comes to you where if you want to take it a certain way because I have maybe a two or three more points that I would be curious to ask you just cuz I'm I'm just always curious about stuff but if there's anything you want to bring up at this point I'd just give you the stage.
1: Yeah, I just want to say one more thing about gratitude for people listening. We are not perfect. Like I think it's easy for people to listen to you and I and we talk about gratitude and are there times that um, I won't speak for you, I'll only speak for myself, but where I completely have a meltdown and I think things are horrible, absolutely. Do I always behave my best self? No. But what I do is when I do recognize that, I go and I apologize yeah. or I have that moment of, I am so sorry that I behaved like that. I'm so grateful for what I have. Like, we're never going to be perfect. And I like to tell people that because I think people get this idea that, oh, if they if they've fall off that cliff then they have to start over and it's like we're we're perfectly imperfect and yeah. we're flawed human beings and we just embrace those so i just wanted to add that because i think I, you and i can go on and on about gratitude and, love um, and those things that are so important but um i bet if i asked your wife there's times that you're not perfect either 100 <laughs> i was just gonna
0: add i was gonna say like i'm i'm agreeing with you that applies to me 100 you know like whenever i have a meltdown or anything. But what I'm trying to do actively, you know, and this is something that I encourage everybody to do is like, keep trying, like keep trying something else. If that didn't work, you know, find a different strategy. Like for me, sometimes, you know, going outside and just looking at plants really helps me because I'm I'm not so caught up with what's immediately there or like, you know, try to try to do something differently if it's not working, you know, find what will work. Because a lot of times that's, that's what we need is we need, we need to have a very sharp, um, a knife, but we need to have multiple different tools in our tool belt. Otherwise, you know, we, we get bored of using the same thing. And I get that. I totally get that. It's like, if I were to told you to, you know, all you can do forever is go for a walk. Yeah. You, you know, maybe you want to ride a bike. Maybe you want to go for a swim. Maybe you want to, you know, do something else. It's like, so it's the same applies with, you know, if, if gratitude is turning to be overburdening, you know, maybe try, try doing something that is also proven by science, like exercise or, uh, you know, having a conversation with a friend because one of the biggest things that's, that we're suffering through right now is if you are in isolation through the, through the quarantine, you don't have someone else to talk to, then you need to really value it, have the ability to have a conversation and talk about, I did a post about this the other day, um, uh, yesterday, but I said, it's okay to be sad and to, not, to feel lonely and to feel anxious about the uncertainty of times. That's okay. This is normal to feel right now. You're not alone in this. But just remember, you know, just like everything else, all the good stuff, you know, comes and goes. All the bad stuff comes and goes. Nothing lasts forever. Lasts forever. So just give it that, you know, time and attention. It's going to come and it's going to go. So good times are also coming. Um, but from that, I, I would like to ask, you know, what would you say has been like the most, um, I guess, important lesson for you? If, if I were to just have you narrow it down to one. I know there's many. But what would have been the most important lesson that youth would say you've learned in your life so far
1: this is going to sound like a ridiculous answer Um, that being embarrassed or failing won't kill me that's powerful
0: that's a very powerful one because it's that idea that we have of ourselves it's essentially killing that idea you think it's going to kill you you know i've heard a philosopher put it this way the reason we have thoughts is so we could we could uh kill ourselves in the thought so we wouldn't kill ourselves in real life. It's like the hypothetical is there to prevent the real the reality from happening, right? So it's like it's there for us as a guide, as a, as a, as a tool to use. And that's, that's so powerful to say, right? Like, no matter how bad I can do or how imperfect my actions get, it's not going to be the end of me, you know, I, I'll be okay. I think that's super powerful. I I can use some more of that in my life. I think that would be that'd be good. And another question like that that comes up is like, and I know the I'm pretty sure I know the answer for this, but like, would you say that you're living a life of meaning?
1: Absolutely, filled with joy and love and hope, Uh, and it's because of all of the connections and the time that I spend talking to people, and the fact that I'm I'm grateful for it, and that I'm open to it. I mean, you reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, well, do you want to have a conversation? And I've opened my heart to this. And every single one of these has been amazing. I've met so many fabulous people. And it's all about being open because what you put out there and what you are willing to accept is the stuff that truly brings joy for me personally. And this is how I define success now. It isn't about my career or any of the things that you know in my 20s you would have asked me that and i would have told you very clearly what success looked like and i look at that now and i've probably achieved most of those things and i think they're really ridiculous because that's not that's not the stuff that brings me happiness
0: i love that um let's see i don't know where else i could take this but i would i would <laughs> ask you this is a this is one of those questions which could could maybe start another hour long conversation, but I but I'll but I'll ask it anyway. Like, what what is like kind of your philosophy on like wh- why you believe we're all here? It could be a short answer, it could be a long answer, whatever.
1: Wow, that so that's that is a difficult question. I don't know that I have a good answer for that.
0: I'll tell you my answer I, if that helps.
1: That would help. Okay.
0: Yeah. So for me, the the biggest like. Kind of contemplation because I have thought about this for my wife will tell you for for years now um, something that I've even like written about just to myself for for a number of pages and and there is no answer the answer is what you want it to be and 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 the most logical one that makes sense to me is we're here to enjoy this place that's it mm-hmm. everything here is here is for us it's for our enjoyment for our betterment for our you know ups and our downs everything here moves. And it's taken care of from such a deeper level that we couldn't even understand if we wanted to from our limited minds. You know, you, that's why like I really look at it in the sense that this was all made for us to enjoy. And that's the bottom line. And if we haven't figured out how to do that, then let's figure out more of what we need to do in our life to get there.
1: That's beautiful.
0: <laughs> I guess Thank we'll leave it, it there us. then.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Marcy, this has been absolutely I don't even know what to say. It's it's been divine. It's been something that felt like this was coming from something bigger than bigger than both of us. And I hope that anybody that listens to this in the future can find some little nugget in there that, you know, helps them find their freedom and salvation and inner peace.
1: Thank you again for for hosting and asking me to join. Um, I hope this is an opportunity of just the beginning of what you and I can find to carve out together because I've really enjoyed this time.
0: Hey guys, thank you again for checking out this episode. And you can keep up with me on YouTube at Blossom Media Studio or on Instagram at The Real Abinov. Thank you and I'll see you next time.